0: Welcome to the podcast and the Church Said. My name is Dr. Monique Smith Gadsden, a Christian licensed professional counselor specializing in marriage and family therapy. I'm your host for this weekly podcast where we discuss church and culture from a Christian counseling perspective. All of our insights are rooted biblically to foster emotional, mental, and spiritual health for individuals and churches. We aim to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Quite simply, we help the church help the people. Although I am a licensed clinician, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We strongly encourage you to seek out your own personal relationship with a professional therapist. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad to have you join us for the conversation on today. Thank you to all of you who are listening to this podcast and to those who subscribe and share. I am, again, so appreciative of your support and your encouragement. So please continue to support our work here. If you will, please write a review and or rate our podcast. This is helpful for others to find this content if they find this to be of interest. Thank you so much again, and I really appreciate your support. Today, our conversation is entitled, In Your Anger. I'm sure those who are familiar with the language found within the Bible know exactly which portion of scripture I'm referencing. It is that very familiar verse found in Ephesians 4, 26. I read it as it is written in the Christian Standard Bible. Be angry and do not sin. Sometimes I wonder, did this verse get misquoted or misinterpreted to read or mean that to be angry is to sin? Sometimes I feel that anger is one of the most misunderstood of emotions. Black people as a people group have been stigmatized as angry. And as soon as words of pushback or challenge or question questions utter from our lips, we are told to calm down or don't get angry. Oh no, we're just talking. No, no, no. As though the belittlement and the minimization or the deflection is supposed to serve as some sort of appeasement or pacification guess what now i'm angry your attempts to contain me so that you might control me has yet again now fueled my anger now let's not mention when there is a justifiable response of anger you know to like an injustice or oppression or a revelation of another slight against or a total lack of justice served, the microaggressions, the piling on of yet another effect of ongoing racial or generational trauma to only again be met with it's okay and I'm sorry. Yeah, you can keep your tired rhetoric because now I'm angry. And to express those sentiments can make one feel as though they are doing something wrong. When I'm not angry, I'm treated as though I am. When I am angry, I'm appeased and pacified. So what do I do in this anger? Is it a sin to speak up, out, loudly? I'm in my anger. Now, what do I do? No wonder suppression and bypass are common responses. We as a people group have been silenced for so long. We are sometimes so busy trying to survive. We do not have opportunity to express, much less even figure out what we are feeling. We are silenced or given a look that communicates, don't go there. When we are rightfully irate and expressing, even with intensity, we are policed, or the police is called. So what has happened? Our right to express justified anger has been suppressed for generations. And instead, it sits inside our beings, eating away at those insides, while our outsides are being brutalized and murdered and threatened, and intimidated and mocked. It is internalized. And what smolders as a burning ember feeds diseases and conditions such as hypertension, heart disease, and diabetes. Then we get research that has suggested over time that anger expression is presumed to be an unhealthy response with possible negative health consequences. However, Authors Park, Flores, Ashbacher, and Mendes, in their article, when anger expressions might be beneficial for African Americans, the moderating role of chronic discrimination, they state that much of the prior literature has examined the anger expression health link among African Americans without consideration of sociocultural contexts where anger expression occurs. It is important for us to note that context matters when we are discussing anger expression. If we were to continue to tell African-Americans that anger expression is harmful to our health and we try to sit on it and suppress the anger, then what do we do? Where does it go? I would imagine it turns into self-hatred, self-hatred, destroys not only the self, but those and those things that are in close proximity. Maybe if the self-hatred was exterminated, a, a husband could love his wife as his own body because those who hate their flesh do not provide and care for it, I would suppose. Suppressed and unexpressed anger, once finding space and voice is a frightening thing to observe. Hmm. Can you think of any examples where you have seen this played out? Yeah, I'm just musing. So grateful that racism has now been considered a public health crisis. Black folks have always known this. So there is now this public recognition of the ongoing and adverse effects of racism. But back to my point, why context matters. Listen to this. Same authors also say that anger expression can be beneficial for some people who are not exposed to stressful environments and thus have relatively greater access to economic and psychosocial resources. For example, one prospective study found that anger expression predicted lower risk of stroke and non-fatal myocardial infractions two years later among highly educated male health professionals. Similarly, among middle-aged white-collar men, higher anger expression predicted decreased risk of coronary heart disease eight years later, whereas there was no such benefit of anger expression among their blue-collar counterparts. This related to Europeans and European-Americans. To be African-American is to constantly live in a state of stressful environments. African-Americans are usually disproportionately and adversely impacted when it comes to economic and psychosocial resources. So again, What is the African-American to do with his or her anger? You know, while in this anger. I have long been of the opinion that anger expression as it relates to the many injustices and oppressions is beneficial, as it can be a tool to facilitate the movement of adverse effects through our being and our bodies. Granted, there needs to be an ability to manage and regulate said anger and then the skills to know how to translate that anger into productive and effective action, but it has to be beneficial. You must find spaces with fresh air to breathe if you're constantly in environments that are toxic to your every breath. Anger can be a type of emotional enema. Anger can move adverse effects through our bodies. Equipped with problem-solving coping skills, I argue that anger can be a health benefit. The authors affirm this argument as they report, quote, if anger expression is repeatedly used as an active coping strategy to deal with the controllable social stressors, This may eventually be linked to better cardiovascular health as the frequency of anger expression in this context is likely to reflect a sense of efficacy or control, as well as other favorable life conditions that enable African-Americans to use anger in a more adaptive way. So in this anger, What do we do? How do we not sin? Well, I say that anger produces righteous actions. Jesus turned over some tables as it related to those who were buying and selling in the temple. Anger dismantles systems of oppression and injustice. Anger, righteous anger, can correct and result in discipline. God himself unleashed his anger, rage, and intense wrath, and it resulted in the children of Israel fearing God and turning away from sin. So you can be angry about unfair practices and overlooked promotions and discrimination and racial injustices against the people group. You can express these sentiments understanding that even if it is justified, even if it is intense. Others will not understand and attempt to uh, suppress your expressions. So what can you control? Sure, you can keep applying for the job or reporting the infractions or videoing the murders. But This is where we must figure out where exactly or what exactly is the problem and what are alternate solutions. And this is why it goes back to the need to express your anger and realize ways to then manage it. Allow your anger to be expressed. Do not allow it to cause you to abuse yourself or others. We have to understand that unexpressed anger can look and sound scary. We must be able to discern what is suppressed emotion, finding its way into the light, offering support and not more ways to suppress. And then to sit in the void of that emotional emptiness and think, what can I now do with this anger to affect positive change? Understanding that this is a process and also understanding that all social stressors are not necessarily controllable. But in the meantime, we must take care of our physical health by employing a few of these interventions. Exercising, meditation, relaxation, spiritual disciplines, therapy, and I add acceptance, which means we just have to accept that racism is here. We have to understand it as a poison that permeates our culture. And while, yes, we must work against the effects of racism, we also have to stop knocking our heads against brick walls. Yeah, do the work that you're called to do, but understand it's God's work to soften the hearts of those who oppress and choose to be blinded by arguments and philosophies in some people. Racism is a sin. It controls and it wrecks havoc. It oppresses. It intimidates. It kills. It steals. It frightens. It dominates. What we can do is not allow it to control how we will, or will not respond. There is a place where we have control, express, and allow it to motivate toward problem-solving in constructive ways. And hear me say, this is not simplistic, nor is it a meek or a timid work. It is hard, and it is difficult, and it is sacrificial, and it is not pretty, people will deceive you into thinking that it is to always be peaceful. That's not always necessarily true. Anger impacts us physically and psychologically and emotionally and spiritually. So it's a process. We have to keep our focus on God. We have to understand that ultimately it is he and he alone that will restore. However, as we continue to read the word of God, and look at how often the anger of God was kindled. Look at how Jesus, who put on humanity, expressed anger without sinning. He rebuked, he advocated, he preached all while not sinning. So I hope you find freedom in your anger. Again, anger impacts us physically. It impacts us mentally and emotionally. And it impacts us spiritually. We have to take into account all of these various aspects. But I hope that you will begin your journey toward physical and emotional and mental well-being undergirded by your spirituality, your faith and your belief in God, and your fellowship with Jesus in the suffering, that can anger us in your anger. Until next time, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. After you have heard my call, in your anger, do not sin. What will be your response? And the church said,